0: What's up, everyone? Uh, Before we get rolling on this episode, I should just let all of you know that um, I've been doing a bit of soul searching and I've kind of decided that this episode is going to be the last episode of Chatted Up. Um, You know, I've had a lot of fun doing it, but it's just getting harder and harder to put these episodes out. And, um, you know, there's been some interest in the podcast, but there hasn't been a ton. Um, you know, so as much as I've loved kind of putting all this together, I think it's just really kind of a good time to just kind of call it quits. Um, so the only other thing that I want to say about that is, uh, April fools. (laughs) So, uh, welcome to episode 21. Uh, I can't believe that the podcast has grown up and is now officially old enough to drink. Uh, I think it's time to take the podcast out to the bar maybe for some, uh, shots with some goofy ass names maybe, and we can, uh, get it wasted. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time listening in, chat it up is a bi-weekly podcast about all things Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, if you're a loyal listener, welcome back, uh, after the extended hiatus. Uh, I had to take an extra week off, um, because life was extremely insane, but all for good reasons, um. Was moving back to my hometown. My girlfriend and I moved back to Kingsford. And uh, at the same time, I was selling my house up in Ishwamming. So we were just super busy, kind of packing up boxes and basically just kind of getting everything ready for the big move. So thankfully, everything went smoothly. And really, I'm super happy to be back home, closer to family and friends. So, all good stuff. So, uh, all right, let's jump right into uh, this episode. We're going to start things off with some you, you, Uper news. And uh, I only have one piece of Uper news this week. And that is that Iron Mountain's own Tom Izzo and my beloved Michigan State Spartans are going to the Final Four, baby. Woo! I, uh, I cannot begin to express how happy I am. And to not only make the Final Four, but to beat Duke and Zion Williamson uh, to do it is just insanely amazing, insanely huge. Uh, It felt very much like David versus Goliath. And I'm just over the moon excited. This team has endured so much this season with injuries and, and so many other things. To make it to the Final Four is nothing short of incredible. So huge, huge, huge tip of the cap. To the Michigan State Spartans and to Tom Izzo uh, doing the UP proud, representing strong for Iron Mountain, going to his eighth Final Four in his 24 seasons, which is super impressive. So if you're a Michigan State fan out there, go green, go white. And uh, if you aren't, well, sucks to be you, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, okay, uh, with that being said, uh, it's time for this day in Uper history. Uh, Brought to you by the folks over at uh, Pasty.com. That's P-A-S-T-Y.com in the uh, Pasty Central Facebook page. Uh, Now, I know today is April 1st. Uh, This day in Youper history is actually going to be April 2nd. Uh, We didn't have one for April 1st for some reason, so I do apologize. Um, So I guess technically this will be tomorrow's day in uh, Youper history. So uh, here we go.
1: Pasty Central Day in History. April 2nd. On this day in 1872, Samuel Morse, the inventor of the telegraph, died. His invention was instrumental in the growth of railroads and industry across the Upper Peninsula. On this day in 1992, Crystal Falls received international attention due to the discovery of a giant fungus in the nearby forest. Announced in articles in Nature and the New York Times, the fungus covers an area of more than 38 acres, with a total mass estimated at 100 tons. One of the largest and oldest living organisms on Earth, the fungus is actually located in nearby Mastodon Township, but Crystal Falls has adopted it as a major attraction and holds a humongous fungus fest each summer in August. Pasti Central Day in History, April 2nd.
0: All right, thanks again to the folks at Pasty.com and the Pasty Central Facebook page for uh, another awesome segment of uh, This Day in Uper History. Uh, it's time for this week's interview, and this week I sat down with Mr. Mario Santoni. Mario's a the senior project manager uh, over at Dickinson Homes, which is located in the Air Mountain Kingsford area, and uh, their story is pretty cool uh they're a a third generation family business and they've been building modular homes for uh, since 1970 so uh, mario and i had a great chat about how um you know they've ran this successful business for nearly 50 years so uh without further ado let's chat it up all right ladies and gentlemen i'm sitting here with mario santoni mario thank you for coming on the podcast Happy to. (laughs) So I'm sitting here with a a fellow Dickinson County guy. Mario, you grew up in Iron Mountain, correct? You're a mountaineer?
2: Born and raised.
0: All right. So what was that like for you, I guess? What was growing up here in Iron Mountain like for you at at that point in time? Because I think you're a little bit older than me. I was, uh,
2: I don't know how much I want to give away, but (laughs) I was, uh, I'm from 78, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. The whole reason I've got you on here
0: today is obviously mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about your family business. And mm-hmm. I know that you spent a lot of time around the family business as you were kind of growing up. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about what that was like? Yeah, and- it was, uh,
2: you know, in retrospect, it's a, a different uh, look because, um, you know, growing up and the family business were really just synonymous. There was very little separation growing up. So, normal Iron Mountain um, youth of, You know, playing in the woods, kids, bikes, small-town life, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of family and enjoying that, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of time out at the lake and everything else. And then kind of um, interwoven with growing up was always some project uh, with my dad or my grandfather, my uncle, my brother of... Doing God knows what, some probably some sort of child labor law infraction. <laughs> carrying shingles, <laughs> carrying and, shingles, planing wood, <laughs> unloading stuff. Uh, you know, I just the earliest memory of childhood I have is on a Saturday, my dad having my brother and I over at our, our, our the factory in Kingsford, and we were supposed to pick up cigarette butts around the whole perimeter and fill a garbage bag. And if we filled this garbage bag, we got a quarter to go to the pop machine, and we could get a Mountain Dew. <laughs> And for us, that was just like gold. Like right. you know, we were ripping him off because we would get a pop, but you right. know, it kept us occupied while well, he got stuff done. And um, you know, that that was kind of growing up. But, sure. Um,
0: Definitely a unique perspective that obviously not a lot of kids would get. You know, I mean.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's well, you know, you never think about it growing up because you don't know any better. Right. Yeah,
0: that's just your life. Now that
2: I have kids, it's just like I can't wait to put them through this. You know, <laughs> it's just. Karma, but so
0: you finished school and you headed up to Michigan Tech, correct? Yeah. Now I know that um, what did, I guess what did you end up getting your degree in when you went to? Michigan I went tech?
2: to Tech. I went for uh, civil engineering, and then okay. also I uh, ended up staying getting my business degree. Okay. Um, actually, the first year Tech had an accredited business school. Sure. Um, concentrating in industrial management.
0: Yeah. So now, so when you headed up to Tech it was the plan right from the jump to like pursue something to be a part of this family business or did that kind of evolve over time?
2: That was more of an evolution because early on, you know, you always have this thought in the back of your head, like, you know, being able to be part of this, you know, my grandfather started it from nothing and just, you know, everything that they've, got it to weather through all the recessions and storms and everything else. Sure, um, But, you know, at the same time, I think for my 18, 19-year-old self, that was a very overwhelming feeling of,
0: of course, you know,
2: I'm going to be the one that screws it up. <laughs> yeah. As, you know, my dad, every time we'd go on a car trip, it was always his, you know, his basically rambling of, you know it's always the next generation that screws up a business. So I'm just like I don't want to be that guy. So um no, it was it was part of the plan at some point. There sure. you know, he never pushed hard. Sure. Which was, you know, in hindsight good to have of kinda of get your own path, do your thing. Sure. You know, we're here if you need us. So yeah. when I when I started at tech, there was no immediate plans of that.
0: Sure. How was the experience for you being up at Tech? I mean, I've, I've interviewed a couple of people that went to State, a few that have gone to Northern, but mm-hmm. I think you're probably the first person that I've interviewed that's mm-hmm. a that's a Husky. So yeah. how was that experience for you?
2: Well, I'm glad to be representing Huskies. it's you know, yeah. it's, uh, you know probably Not everyone gets or makes it the whole time or is right? dumb enough to stay. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that's an interesting thing growing up, you know, Dickinson County, you're in the UP, you think, you know, winters are nothing, I got it. Right. You know, from Iron Mountain... The, and then, uh, you know, going up to Tech, and I had a lot of people from Iron Mountain Kingsford that year graduating. I think there's like 18 kids yeah. that were going up to Tech. And all my other friends were saying, you're going up to Houghton? Are you nuts? <laughs> you know, it snows a lot there. I'm like, from Iron Mountain, this is going to be nothing. Yeah. You know. Um, and then uh reality check kicked in probably two weeks before Thanksgiving when <laughs> that winter was... Not even a record or banner year, but when we left for Thanksgiving break, the snow was almost up to the windowsill. We were on Wads Hall, ground floor, and it was just piling and piling up. And I was just, it was just like, oh, this is what they meant.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'll never forget one time I had brought a a friend with me up to uh, Copper Harbor and we cross a bridge into Hancock and we're like going up the hill, you know? Mm -hmm. And my buddy's like, what's with all the doors on the second story of those houses like that? He's like, were there like decks or something and they just took them all off? And I go, no, I go back in the old days, there were no snowblowers or anything. I'm Mm -hmm. like, eventually you just... You couldn't yeah, then ran out of places to put it, so you had to leave your house for the second story. He would not believe me. He thought I was lying. No,
2: that's that's legit. That's a whole like microcosm of design, not really in architecture, but design key went on design. Yeah. And there's studies and you know, historical record and books on it how they just built a house with a door on the second floor to nowhere. Yeah. And you know, usually by (laughs) Christmas that was the front door. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, so that's what you had to contend with. There. Uh, yeah, you know, tech is hard enough as it is, and now they sprinkle on no sunshine for a long time and tons of snow and weather, and it's hey, just—it's unbelievable. <laughs> and you know, then going through that is interesting because my brother went to the U of M. Okay. And uh, one spring break when I was a senior, he was a, I think his second year down there. When we went down to visit him, you know, before I was done with the collegiate life, and yeah, um, you know, you leave Houghton and. You know, by the time you get to through Covington, then Dyer Mountain, it's just so much snow and it's snowing, and you finally make it to the bridge, and we get down to Ann Arbor, we pull up to his apartment, and he's sitting on a couch in his front lawn in sandals and flip flops with sunglasses, and yeah. I'm just like, Man, you're soft. <laughs> you know. Anyone can get an engineering degree when it's fifty degrees or above your round.
0: Right. So okay, so you finish up at tech. Obviously, mm-hmm. you 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 come back home to essentially be part of this. Family business. Now, you're essentially the the third generation mm-hmm. of this company. Can you give a little bit of the backstory as far as like when did your grandfather mm-hmm. start the company?
2: You know, that's a good part of our history. Is um, after World War II, my grandfather Evo moved back and okay. he had various jobs with uh, Ford in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, he was part of helping construction as a laborer on the VA hospital and um other various items mm-hmm. um you know and then eventually he started his own business or he bought a business it used to be eisley's lumber and fuel and sure. he bought it with santoni lumber and fuel for a long time and then over in kingsford heights he had a cabinet shop where he'd bend for Micah at night and everything oh, wow. else okay. and let it sit and um you know in his spare time he would site build homes and you know like this winter we had now it's a very short season and he struggled with that yeah um and eventually through a business trip through indiana and some other methods and people you know there was a different process for constructing and you know he kind of got a glimmer of that on you know doing what he's doing but now let's start doing it inside sure um in late 1969 he and my grandmother and My Uncle Paul had moved back to the area at the time, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they started construction of, you know, really what's still part of our factory today, but it's kind of the first segment, which was really only 20,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could build one or two homes at a time.
0: Sure.
2: And, uh, you know, you ran with that. And, you know, it was a, for the area, or even for this part of the Midwest, you know, he was kind of looked at as that crazy guy. right you know trying to do something different and you know it's not in the norm or it's a weird or it's never going to be good and you know it worked for him though you know i think out of just being too dumb to fail and <laughs> he you know just worked and outworked everyone really i mean he wasn't you know i think that was his success um, and you know my uncle paul was around and he really contributed my father ended up graduating college and came back and you know i think the three of them really just Provided all the magic sauce to make that work of just willpower, sure. And it took off though. I mean, it hit at a right time. Yeah. Um, demand for housing was up, and there wasn't as much supply, and you know they were able to do more homes faster. And um, you know we opened. They opened the original factory opened in ni- June of 1970. Okay. You know we got 50 years coming up this June. Wow. Uh, or next June, I'm sorry, yeah. math is hard <laughs> for a tech grad. I was going to say for a yeah, tech
0: grad, come on now. <laughs> very hard.
2: But, you know, the original factory was 20,000 square feet, and then, you know, four times they added on just to keep up with everything. And today we're over 100,000 square feet indoors. Wow, okay. Um, so it's it just worked for them. But yeah. So, obviously,
0: I mean, you touched a little bit about like this kind of evolution or change and you've kind of seen some recessions yeah. over the years unfortunately well right so i mean how do you deal with stuff like that i mean i know you kind of came back around the 2001
2: came back during the peak and just in and, time and to see the 2008 crash yeah. yeah so
0: i mean obviously you can only speak to that one but i mean i mean what how do you get through those those times i mean obviously it's not easy and a lot of businesses didn't make it through mm-hmm. but you're one of the ones still standing so i guess we're...
2: you know it's an interesting mix and you know i think it goes back to the just the the leadership and you know whoever's hand is on the helm at the time and you know even going back to the like late 80s you know you had hyperinflation and yep. interest rates were like 20% and yep. um you know, my grandfather was there, and my dad and my uncle, and they weathered that. And you know, my grandfather had weathered, you know, born in the Great Depression. So I guess <laughs> weathering storms is kind of, kind of in his DNA. Right. Um, and you know, I think they learned a lot during that late '80s about you know what can happen, what gets affected, um, and so going into the 2008 crash, you know, was really just you know, having a healthy balance sheet, not mm-hmm. overextending yourself, mat- controlling your environment. You know, if we're not as susceptible to little micro fluctuations in the economies, you know, that can make or break you. But being more even keeled for a long run. Sure. You know, when you have a product that's right, you know, the economy will, you know, dip or bolster your sales. But in the long run, you'll be all right. And I think it's just being smart. Sure. So going through. Through 2008, it was, you know, operating smarter, being smarter, purchasing, planning better, you know, looking to next year and just, you know, making sure we're in a good position. Yeah. And, you know, you alluded to it a lot. A lot of people didn't survive. And we saw uh, just in the trades, you know, that really depleted the area. Right. Um, Any local direct competition, you know, they moved to the Dakotas for... You know, the oil, they yep. got out of the area, they found other jobs. So when things did recover, you know, you weren't faced with as much competition as when that started.
0: Sure. So you mentioned briefly the purchasing and the, some of the different things that kind of go into that. Now, I know when you, you came on, you're basically a project manager. Does that follow I off-
2: started it in engineering.
0: Okay, so you started in engineering. And that just
2: did not stick well. No? I, it's just... You know it's just two different you know poles of a magnet. It's just sure. never gonna work. So eventually I ended up kind of semi forcing my way up here sure. if i i this was more cut out for the way my mind works. So I was in it started in engineering for a while, and right. that just that was a rocky start. so <laughs> thankfully, you know the they they stuck with me and I ended up here, and here I am.
0: Well, I'm glad that you mentioned though engineering because I think a lot of people. Outside looking in, when they hear like Dickinson homes, they would probably just think, "Oh, it's just prefab homes or modular homes." Mm-hmm. But you guys do architecture, mm-hmm. planning, design. I mean, there's a lot more that goes mm-hmm. into it. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about it's that? I mean, give away our hidden secrets? Well, not even hidden <laughs> secrets. I mean, you can just yeah. go on your website and see no, that I you know. offer more than mm-hmm. just you know, like you know, like I said, modular homes. So I find yeah. that interesting.
2: Two things then. then. Stop me when I ramble. You okay. know, it's part of the my full-time job is since I've been here is really just helping to re-educate people. And, you know, there's a big misconception, more in the Midwest than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just out in California, and the perception of modular construction there is the inverse of the Midwest. They can't get enough of it. Sure. We're here, we're always struggling to be not in the shadow of, trailers or double wides you know atypical construction methods Yep. so modular is really a process it's not a type of home sure there's nothing different in the code the structure the energy rating the materials or the design it's just a different process um, but you know as far as a modular company you know where we try to differentiate is you know going well above and beyond the limits okay and, and that's what we seek out. You know, if we were cookie-cuttering it every day, I, I wouldn't last. Right. <laughs> so how crazy can we make it? And, um, you know, in-house we have architecture, we have a licensed architect, we have a full-staff engineering department, a drafting department, purchasing. Um, and it just goes back to earlier of how much can we control our environment. Sure and you know being and we've worked with a lot collaborated with a lot of other architects sure we've got some a group of architects coming in tomorrow from mid-wisconsin okay but you know just offering that you know what do you want to do how can we do it how can we be a part of it as long as most of it's built out of wood we can do it sure i, I
0: find that super interesting i love that you're kind of changing these preconceptions yeah um because i think a lot of people have that so mm-hmm. to listen to you talk about it is is exciting. Um, so, you mentioned you kind of got off to a, a rocky start when you started off <laughs> with the engineering stuff. Yeah, they didn't like me. Do, do you, I mean, is that, what's that dynamic then when you're like working with family? I would imagine that's kind of one of the, di- the difficulties of working with family or how does that dynamic kind of work?
2: I mean, you know, that, and that's been every book, article, blog, post, psychology report on family <laughs> businesses has just been... You know, how do you do it, not not have everyone kill each other? Right. You know, because, you know, again, you know, we're a north side Italian family. Yep. Sunday dinners are a thing, still are every Sunday, and every, it's just... Awesome. You know, you're, you're your own little micro-tight-knit community within the community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see you know, like I'd see my dad every day at work and then you see him at night and on weekends and birthday parties and everything, you know, helping build decks or <laughs> cleaning out my garage. So, um, you know, it's just kind of that expectation of, you know, we're at work, let's do work things and then when we're not at work, let's not do it. So, I mean, you know, and it was a mutual decision to get jettisoned me from there. So, okay. um, you know, that wasn't a problem. Right. But it, it, it there are some times, you know, where it, uh, passionate discussions carry over. <laughs> uh, passionate discussions between Italians? That yeah. never happens. Not it's first recorded event in history. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of hand waving I was going to say, you talk with your hands. <laughs> a lot of, you know, sailor talk. And, <laughs> no, but, it, you know, it's interesting because it's, you know, I think having that family business involved. Gives it more of a permanency. And then with a lot of the guys here talking at other businesses that they've been in, then coming here, you're like, well, I could get fired. This guy could get fired. Who knows what's going to happen? We're here. It's, you know, we're together for better or for worse. So you got either you make it work or you pull the plug. And, you know, that's kind of been the force of, you know we got to make this work and get along because no one's going anywhere, right, so how do we accomplish that so it just gave us a different perspective on day, daily business activities,
0: sure so as as your career has kind of grown over well really the past eighteen years that you've been here yeah. I guess, how has your role kind of changed or or progressed? I mean, I, increase in responsibility? or I, mean, I, I think
2: it's the normal, you know, learn on the job training process. You know, when I started here, my Uncle Paul was in charge, and I worked under him and, and all the other project managers here, and, you know, just kind of learn from the ground floor up. And it's, the, you know, the same method my dad did when my brother and I were younger, you know, getting skirting those child labor laws again of, you know, we would... <laughs> you know summer vacations and holidays and spring breaks where you know you help out in the factory or you help out in inventory or you pick up garbage so you start at the ground and you know every year we get more and more responsibility up to the one they trust us operating power tools sure and it, you know it wasn't any different here it was you know project manager assistant i was running copies and helping with jobs and you know doing site visits and working with plans to then undertaking my own projects and then okay. growing that. Now I'm taking my own projects and managing all the other project managers. So it's just been a, you know, an odd reverse look of you know it's always next guy up. So. Sure. So, also as far as like evolution goes, obviously
0: trends change mm-hmm. with not only the housing market but houses in general. Um, I noticed. One example on your website is now you guys are offering tiny homes. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, that's kind of become the invoke <laughs> thing the last few
2: years. You I know, mean- and that got on our radar about eight years ago. We had a client down in uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and waterfront property, seasonal vacationers. You know, kind of typical Midwest snowbird. Mm-hmm. And you know, they when we met with them, they didn't want the Everyday average two thousand square foot home—the size, the maintenance, the cost, and everything involved. So the, that first house ended up being like five hundred and thirty-three square feet. Wow! <laughs> and it was perfect. For yeah, it, you know. Yeah. And um, you know that was kind of interesting because it was something different. Yeah. It was a unique design and and everything going into it. And you know, so many people at that time were thinking, "How can we get a bigger house?" Where now people wanted a smaller house. So uh you know we kind of chewed on that for a few years and and you know we had designs and photos and a lot of people would come in from time to time kind of you know that's kind of neat and it it really introduced the way people thought about you know not what they wanted but what they really needed right um and it led to a lot of interesting conversations and you know we kind of chipped away at it for years and then um you know HGTV's shows and a lot of other, right. <laughs> and that kind of really threw gasoline on that little spark, and it yeah. it took off. Um, and, you know we've since put up a model here mm-hmm. uh, that's 601 square feet, and you know it's been <laughs> the draw on it's been unbelievable. Yeah, you know on weekends we have people that you know we drove from Madison or Duluth or all over. We have Ryan told me we have people coming up from uh, southern lower Michigan just to they want to see it because. Um, You know, it's a really unique trend. And, you know, we kind of put our spin on it. It's not the mobile version that you wheel around that's 100 square feet that the, Mm -hmm. you know, closet dual functions as the bathtub. Right. you know, more of an appropriate sized home. And it's really just to give people ideas. And um, after we put up that model, I don't think we would have anywhere planned to get the response and demand that we did. Sure.
0: I think, like... From my side of it, I, th- I feel like the world just keeps getting busier and busier and hectic and hectic and, and cluttered. Mm-hmm. So, if you can have a home that's the opposite of that, where you get home and everything's just simple, mm-hmm. that's attractive. <laughs> like, as I'm just saying it, I'm like, man, that sounds really great. Easy, like, easy. Yeah. Well, and you talked about like the maintenance and the upkeep and, and all of that. So, it, I'll be very curious to kind of see where that trend goes. Um, the other one that was really interesting to me because I absolutely love high um, log homes is like your hybrid log yeah. home that you have. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because up here, I mean, especially up here in God's country, I mean, that's that's kind of a big draw, I would think.
2: We, you know, we've got a lot of requests to do log homes, and you know, just because of the nature, it never really fit our system and our process, but. Um, <coughs> where we kind of found the the happy medium on the niche is what we would, or actually what, since 98 have called hybrid log homes. (laughs) And it's kind of the merging of the two process. You have the traditional fully insulated either six or eight inch exterior wall. And then the exterior is just a split log exterior. It's not anything carved out. It's literally a log split in half. And then that allows the inside to be whatever the client wants, wherever they want. If they want to keep it more in the full rustic, or go into other, you know, softer spaces, and it's just a, a very flexible platform for people. So I want the rustic charm. I want more energy. I want more flexibility, and it's it's really worked out.
0: Yeah, I could. I think as people get more and more conscious of, mm-hmm. like you said, efficiency. Yeah but also keeping what we love about the UP, the outdoors and nature and that more kind of rustic feel. It's totally a win-win.
2: Yeah, and you know the the maintenance part of it too. You know, real log homes are, are beautiful, but just the involvement of owning it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a big commitment. And you know, trying to give an alternative to getting that look and feel and charm but without sure. going all in on it.
0: You touched a little bit before about how somebody came up from from Lower Michigan, and you've you've heard from people down in Wisconsin and all over. Have you guys been kind of expanding that reach? As I mean, because let's be honest, the, the population of the UP has has begun to kind of shrink, mm-hmm. and it has been gradually for quite some time. Yeah. So as that kind of happens, do you then kind of increase that those feelers that you kind of put out? Or I mean. <sighs>
2: You know, and that, that's... There's that is that hitting, a challenge? You're hitting on a nerve. On a nerve. <laughs> that's been a long-debated internal conversation. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people want to expand and go further reach. And, uh, you know, I, our decision has been, you know, we don't want to overextend our arm where we can't really have control. Sure. The further away you go, the harder that control is. Our, our radius right now is Michigan, Wisconsin, and mostly... The Eastern half of Minnesota okay and we're comfortable with that sure Um, you know we've always got inquiries about going to Iowa and Illinois um, and that's just just the the involvement in it we couldn't offer you know the end quality home that we want to sure and we've dabbled in it we've explored it I mean we've gone to Canada for some specialty projects but it's just you know for we just can't really control that sure I think it would dilute the product and you know, that's not where we want to go. We're busy enough that we don't need to start looking further.
0: And, well, busy is a good thing, yeah. so. <laughs> you know, but that's
2: an interesting point you bring up on, you know, the, even the local area population, you know, it's just, you know, the the UP really has a lot of the lakes, access to the Great Lakes. Sure. And everything else, and, and that just keeps bringing people to the area. Right. And maybe they're not full-time residents, but it's at least bringing, you know, something back yeah and hopefully create you know most of what you see in here is people coming back to the area that either were from here and want to come back or retire or move their family here or or people just that have never been here that you know we want to get there
0: yeah well and I think I kind of think back to uh the interview that I did with uh Gina from Brad Bay West so shout out to Gina but talking about You know, in the next five years, they're projecting what, like 500 or 600 production jobs that are going to be available in this area. Well, number one, they need people to fill those jobs, but then all those people are going to need places to live.
2: Support staff, food, clothes, schools, cars, yeah, gas stations. Yeah, I and mean,
0: you add that type of workforce to any community, and there's going to be needs that need to be filled, you know?
2: And, yeah, I've seen the same numbers, and it varies from anywhere from 300 to 700 people in the next few years. Yeah. And there are great jobs here. Right. You know, for people that want a little bit off the beaten track, off not hustle and bustle, Area. I mean, it's a great place to raise kids, have a family. The cost of living is great. Well, and
0: you're in a very unique position to, I, I feel like you're highly qualified to, to speak on those things. Just from the standpoint of obviously being in the industry that you're in. I mean, would you say it's fair to say that you guys kind of have your thumb on the pulse a little bit? Of, I mean,
2: I don't want to give me too much credit. Well, but. <laughs> I don't mean to hurt too much, but I'm just saying. I mean, I, you see, I see a lot of it, or come you know, we intersect with a lot of other people that are yeah. looking at expanding the area in other ways through residential, commercial, or industrial projects. And it's, you know, there's just a demand here of this area. Sure. It's you, filling. It's the hard part. I mean, we're having these same problems. I mean, if I could hire more carpenters, electricians, draftsmen, engineers, project managers tomorrow, I would. Yeah. It's just hard to get them.
0: Get them here, right? Yeah. Well, and that I was going to ask you what other sort of challenges you have, and you kind of just answered
2: that question because obviously the biggest challenge we have is just staffing all the positions we want staffed. Sure. Which is a, you know, it's always weird. I mean, I guess that's a good sign for the area about, you know, kind of what the health is of the area, but, you know, we got to draw and be able to fill those spots and then the area could expand so much more.
0: Sure. Do you guys partner with Bay at all or do any like internships or I guess partner with any other local like companies or agencies
2: or, you know, there's a a lot of good local organizations that are trying to draw or hire staff and, and, you know, that are really working hard to do that and. Um, you know, last year we did a few projects with, um, you know, we were working with the building trades.
0: Awesome. That was one of the ones I was thinking of getting them more cross
2: involved and, um, you know, even offering internships for graduating seniors before they go to college that want some experience in, you know, different industries. So we had an intern last year, um, for our office here. And then we added a couple of guys that, in between, in the summer, between school, worked in the factory or helped out learning carpentry. Awesome. And we're trying to partner with uh, building trades more. I think we have one coming up this summer from Florence that's going to be working in our CAD or drafting department. And then they actually have a program there through Florence that you know if he's work comes and works for a few hours a day here during the school year, he gets credit and everything that's else. That's really for
0: that. great. I mean, the more that we can do to incentivize students and
2: kids to get into these trades you know it's a great opportunity there i mean i almost stayed a carpenter i almost didn't want to go to college and it's like i'm happy to be a carpenter and now with through all the companies through carpentry or woodworking or drafting or welding or anything else i mean there are great opportunities so sure but yeah so we're trying to work and grow just to educate people on the trades Uh, get more people involved or exposure to it to see is this maybe a career I'd want to go into Um, so and if there's anything else we could do we would do it tomorrow we're always looking to yeah grow that
0: well I I hope that this episode kind of shines a light on that because I think a lot of people you know they think of like Marquette County as like the hub of everything going on but you know I talk with people like you or with Gina or even, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm having lunch with uh, your, uh, your brother-in-law, uh, uh, John, you know, <laughs> shout out <laughs> shout out to John. He's been on the podcast, too. Shout out to Spigs. You know, there's a lot of energy and awesome stuff that's happening here in Dickinson County. And I yeah. think the more that we can kind of, like, shout it from the rooftops and let people know, I feel like it can continue to snowball.
2: I hope so. I mean, I hope it takes off because I'd, I'd like to see the area, you know, just stay healthy and, you know, younger generations coming up as needed. And, sure. you know, just to keep the area going, there's so much here to let it, you know, really kind of not be used to its full potential.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've hit on everything that I kind of had on my list. Was there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would want to add or anything else that you want to throw out there? Well,
2: no, I'm a long-time listener, so I'm <laughs> glad and or honored to finally fall to be on your, your podcast. And I mean, you've been, done a great job uh, of highlighting just all different parts of the UP, so yeah. I hope you keep it up.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, since you're such a loyal listener and you know my last question, that, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how do you like your pasty? Plain.
2: Just plain? Plain. If you have to put anything on, it's not good to begin with. <laughs> so I've had a lot of great okay. pasties in the UP everywhere from, from the bridge all the way to the, even through some people through Northern Wisconsin that try. I got to give a shout out to Chef Simon and Michaela at the Chippewa Club who okay. really do have the secret UP pasty that I enjoy a lot. So.
0: All right. Well, Thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been a great chat. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, it's time for the takeaways from my chat with Mario. The first one is purposeful planning. For a family business to last 50 years and beyond is a fantastic accomplishment. And that doesn't mean that things are always smooth sailing, especially working in the housing business uh, like Dickinson Homes does. But from what I've gathered from talking to Mario is they've done a really great job over the years of being forward thinking to stay ahead of the curve and being really purposeful behind what it is that they're doing. So I just really think they're a great example of if you take the time to put purpose behind your actions you can have a whole lot of success. My second takeaway from chatting with Mario is family and just how important family really is. I absolutely love That his family still gets together for Sunday dinners. And my family actually does the exact same thing. And keeping that closeness, I think, is really kind of part of the secret sauce for them. And it's really easy to see that family mentality carried over into their business. And actually, I can speak about this firsthand because my parents' home is a Dickinson home. And when they bought it back in the day as a young couple just starting out... They were allowed to go into the warehouse after hours and they were able to paint the exterior of the home themselves in order to save money just to be able to afford the house. And really the best part of that is my parents' story isn't unique. I know of other people with similar experiences from Dickinson Homes and really from businesses all across the UP. You're going to hear similar stories like that because that's just what Upers do. We take care of our own. Because at the end of the day, we're one big family. Chatted Up is a bi-weekly podcast about all things Upper Peninsula of Michigan. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a review. You can also find Chat It Up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Shooter, reminding you to keep your chin up and your eyes forward.